0: Even if it's not something specific to our occupation, all of us as Christians, our job is to point to Christ, mm-hmm. right? So, so in a sense, that humility that I think John exhibits is something that each of us need to be aspiring to. You're
1: listening to If That Makes Sense. It's a family life podcast about what life is like following Jesus. My name's Tim. I'm
0: in Family Life's radio department.
2: I'm Mary, and I'm also in Family Life's radio department.
0: And my name's Mike, and I'm in Family Life's performing arts department. This
1: is really exciting to be getting to go through the book of John together. It was fun last series of episodes when we went all the way through the book of Romans. And now we're getting to do the same thing for the book of John. We're still in the first chapter. Uh, we did our last episode also in the first chapter. You can listen to it, but each one of these episodes is going to stand alone. So catch up when you want to, but if this is your first one you're chiming in on, we're glad to have you here. And we're going to read the part that we're talking about from John chapter 1. And a note up front with this whole passage we're looking at in the whole book, it, I guess it really could be confusing if this is one of the first times you're spending some time in this book in the Bible, because it's called John, and we're reading about a guy named John. We're going to hear the name John a lot, the different Johns. (laughs) Like we're we're talking about John the Baptist today, locusts and honey and camel hair wearing guy named John. But the name of the book is from the Apostle John. So a different guy. Yeah, that could be confusing. So it bears saying at the beginning here. But we're looking today, again, at John chapter 1, and we're doing verses 19 through 34.
2: This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, Who are you, so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said.
0: Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next
1: day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. I'm just going to be honest with this bit of scripture here. This was a read it a couple times kind of thing because (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll use the word assumptions. It's almost like the author has assumptions that we get things that we might not get on a first reading, you know, in a culture 2,000 years removed from this. Sure, yeah. Like I'm looking at where the Pharisees say, who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? They're asking those things like, their assumptions, like we should know why they're asking that. And I'm looking at it, and the first thing I'm thinking is, uh I I I don't know actually why you'd be wondering if he's Elijah, <laughs> or, 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 or or what you're wondering there, but but that's the question they're asking.
2: Yeah, yeah. And really they did have a lot of good questions because when like the Pharisees, you study and you look at um, the prophecies of Isaiah and like all of the the prophecies of the prophets in the Old Testament, there's a lot of passages that say there's someone coming. Hmm. You need to be on the lookout for these people. And so that's what they were doing. They were hmm. asking the right questions. But...
1: <laughs> that, that could seem kind of controversial to, to say, like, Pharisees, the bad guys, right?
2: Sure. But I mean, if you if you think about it, they were... The religious leaders, they were the ones who were supposed to be knowing what was going on. Mm. <laughs> and it's taken me a long time, but i've I've tried to think of the Pharisees as less of the bad guys, quote unquote, mm. and more of warnings huh. as we are now two thousand years away from when this happened it would not be that difficult for us to get to where the Pharisees ended up. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, And so I I really try to look at them in their perspective and see the world through their eyes because as far as they knew, they were doing it right.
1: Mm. Oh.
2: (laughs) But so when I I say that they were asking the right questions, they were technically – they were trying to find out who John was. Was he the person that we're looking for and and supposed to be waiting for? And, of course, they weren't doing this with the right heart or <laughs> mindset because, you know, he was making a big splash and they did not appreciate that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's an excellent point, though, that they were asking the right questions that somebody who had been paying attention to God's story would be asking. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that – and that's maybe what, what – you could say as the assumption that the author is writing, knowing everything that came before in God's revelation to his people. And the Pharisees knew that and they were waiting for it. To me, it kind of seemed like this. It's almost like if you were telling a story and you said, they sang a song with his name in it, and they brought him a flaming pastry. And when others saw it, they said, they are doing this because it's his birthday. If you didn't live in our culture, you'd be like, <laughs> I got it. What? I got it. <laughs> <laughs> how, did that, how did that tell them it was his birthday? But like, we get it, like cultural context. Oh, you sure. sing happy birthday? Yeah, we know what that means. Yeah. The Pharisees, they're asking questions to us that are like, um, why, why did you want to know if this guy is Elijah? Well, like you said, Mary, they knew what God said to expect. Right. If you look at the prophecies, they knew that God's chosen one was going to come following a big prophet somebody who would be speaking like Elijah or they thought even literally Elijah himself mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. prophet from the days of old come back and so it boy that's that is humbling to realize anytime uh, we, we we see somebody who's doing it wrong in the Bible like we can say oh they were dumb oh they did it mm-hmm. wrong yeah we're always sure. only really ourselves yeah. ever one step away from it
2: Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> when you know what what happened from that choice, obviously you're gonna know what the right choice was. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, mm-hmm. how do you know?
1: Yeah,
0: I think for us to to I guess learn from them. By the way, it took me a lot longer to get the birthday reference than <laughs> I think yeah, I should have. Yeah,
2: I was have. like flaming pastry. Where, where is he going with <laughs> this? It's <laughs> the thing. It's
0: kind of did obscure. Did he write this himself? Out of context, it seems really <laughs> obscure, and then you're like, oh yeah. I was pleased that I finally did <laughs> did get it though. <laughs> no, but but with the the priests and the Levites and the Pharisees, I I think something that we can we can take from them is first of all we need to be very careful about our motives and also our preconceived notions i think yeah because i like like you were saying mary they they weren't doing anything necessarily wrong from the outside in fact people who represent me and my well-being and my interest i want them to be so thorough i, I want them to be questioning things cuz i don't want to i don't want to be led down the wrong route and yeah. i don't i don't want to blindly follow something that's clearly wrong. Um, but, yeah, I guess I guess those motives and those notions, they, I think they had an idea of, so, um, not specifically to John, but to Christ, an idea that he was coming as a, um, a soldier on a white horse to overthrow the government. And when he didn't come that way, there's no way that can be Christ because mm. we already know this is who Christ is coming as. and and I just I just look at myself and I I know how stubborn I can be so many times. I know what the right answer is. And so then I just close my ears to what everybody else is saying. So mm. I thought that was interesting. I, I need to be careful. I need to know that there could be times that I'm wrong and I need to listen to what other people are saying. Mm-hmm. And also just, you were talking, Mary, about the heart. Where, where were their hearts? I, I think there's jealousy going on. I think there was, there was a lack of humility. I think there was just this desire to keep their status no matter what. Mm-hmm. And you can ask all the right questions, but for the wrong reasons. And no matter what answer you hear, you're always going to be right, and they're always going to be wrong.
2: Right. Well, and also you have to think they were uh, very clean. Like I'm trying to imagine this as it played out. They were. They washed their hands mm-hmm. all the time. They were. They were very tidy, clean people, and they judged those who were not. Wow. And <laughs> if you think about it, from everything that you read about John the Baptist. He was not. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was baptizing people in the muddy Jordan River. Oh,
0: he that's lived right. in the
2: wilderness. Yeah. He ate locusts and honey. <laughs> like, he was not a clean person. Dude
1: ate bugs. Already yeah. a conflict of interest so, there.
2: <laughs> so when the, when the Pharisees are going to him, they're immediately judging him. They're immediately saying, ew, that's gross. Wow. So yeah. they were not... Ever going to come to him with the right mindset because they are immediately going to judge him for what he looked like and his appearance.
1: I've never even mm-hmm. thought about that, like the surface level mm-hmm. judgment that would be happening from people like, like you were saying clean. I thought you meant like, like ritually clean because, of course, they were that. But sure, yeah. you're meaning it's, like it's more literally than
2: that. dirt, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like mud
1: everywhere. <laughs> and what a cool contrast for God to draw between mm-hmm. the proud outwardly clean pharisees and the hum the, the very humble maybe outwardly filthy john the baptist yeah
0: <laughs> i love finding people in the bible who have something that stands out and i think i relate to this person because of this or i want to aspire to be like this person because of this. And as I was reading through this passage, I thought for the first time, wow, John's got to be such a humble person because Hmm. literally his job is to recognize somebody else. His message, what he does every day is to say, look at Jesus who's coming. He's the forerunner of Christ. And Wow, what <laughs> what humility. And then later on, John goes on to say that Christ must increase, I must decrease, and that's a great model for any of us to follow. And I, I was thinking, even even if it's not something specific to our occupation, all of us as Christians— our job is to point to Christ, mm-hmm. right? So so in a sense, that humility that I think John exhibits is something that each of us need to be aspiring to in one way or another.
1: Whatever you choose to bring to lunch for work. Right. Like it doesn't – you can do this without <laughs> having to bring insects and honey. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll say – It took me a little bit to – Catch on to that too. Uh, You today. no, no, I'm I'm just convoluted and out there most of the time. I'll say though, I would try it if somebody had a like clean locust for me to try that had been properly Mm. like dried out. I don't want any bug guts. But if there was like a crispy, dried, maybe roasted. Mary, don't make that face. If it was roasted. I can't I can't.
2: It's a bug. (laughs) I'm sorry. I have never been. Never been prone to eating
1: bugs.
0: Technically, we eat other animals, though.
2: Yeah, but a bug.
0: It does, Other
1: animals don't have an exoskeleton. I can give you that. The, the, yeah. the crispy, crunchy outside could oh, be... Do you like crispy chicken, though? <laughs> Look, bread it's, this? it's even <laughs> fine if we move on. It's my fault I got us there. <laughs> we can even move on from that. But I love the point, though, that... John's incredibly humble and we can look at the humility, yes, literal outward humility and how he dressed and lived his life. But the most important one, the heart of saying he must increase, I must decrease. And yeah, it's funny, Mike, because we do look at that and be like, wow, that's amazing. What a guy. And that is great. We've got to do that. And then say, whew, I need to to be able to be that too. (laughs) Make
2: some adjustments. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's not just for him. But he was unique, though. John mm-hmm. was unique in his role in a number of ways. Like you said, Mike, he's the forerunner of Christ. All of us get to say, Christ must increase, I must decrease. But we're like post-runners of, of yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Or he could, he's a forerunner for his return, which will come someday. But John's timing was unique. And John's relationship to Jesus was unique, too.
2: Yeah, he—well, yeah, he was Jesus' cousin.
1: That's wild. <laughs>
2: like, if—and— and I know nowadays that doesn't hold quite as much weight because our culture is not as family-focused as theirs was. Their family was their community. The They were always supporting each other and being there for each other and hanging out with each other. There were always family reunions, which seemed like such a big deal huh. <laughs> nowadays. Like, mm. whoa, I can actually go to the family reunion this year. <laughs> right, I right. haven't gone in five years. Yeah. I wonder who my cousins are now. Like <laughs> um, But in that culture, family was a huge deal. It was mm. they were always supporting each other and they're for each other, all those things. So when I say that Jesus and John were cousins, they were family. They were for sure, definitely, hanging out together as kids. They were Mm -hmm. playing together. They knew each other. And so when Jesus comes to be baptized by John, can you just imagine, like, Mm. what John's mind must be going through as he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, like— and I'm sh- I don't know how Jesus' growing up years were, but I doubt that he was like, I'm the son of God, blah, 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 as <laughs> right. a child. Like, that wasn't, it wasn't his time. He knew that. Yeah. And so for John to also be the first one to be like, you are the son of God, and this is what I'm here for, my cousin. Like, yeah. it's, it's cool. just so cool to think about. That it
1: was revealed... To John. Yeah. Like that he, uh, that's, I've never thought of that before, Hmm. where he knew him already. Yeah. But he didn't know that he was the Messiah. Yeah. (laughs) Chills. That's That's wild. So, So, okay, Mary, this is blowing my mind open right now, (laughs) because I'm looking back to part of the passage that I read, where John says, and maybe that's why it's said twice. He says, um, I myself did not know him. (laughs) But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then he says it again, I myself did not know him. Yeah. I've uh, Maybe in my head I've thought about that before as being like, had it been a super long time? And he's like, who is that? Is that, my, is that the cousin? Is that, Je- is that Jesus? Are you the guy? Oh, but like, <laughs> that's not what it is. No. He's saying, I knew him my whole life.
2: I didn't know who he was.
1: I didn't know who he was.
2: That's w- so cool.
1: I did not know him. It's like I met him because... Jesus, what are you doing here to be baptized? And then the Spirit descends yeah. on him, and God had like, told him the sign ahead of time. This the is... one who the Spirit descends on, yeah,
0: that's the Christ.
1: Wait, it's
0: it's cousin Jesus.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> that's so cool. It's
0: also so cool that God gave him a sign, told him yeah. beforehand. This is how you're gonna know. Hey, just so when you know, <laughs> this happens, and then it literally happens, and you're like, whoa, that's so cool. There's no uh, yeah. there's no gray area there. Yeah. Well, yeah, John, that's true. I, had my thought, I had my hunches, but now now I know for sure. For sure.
2: sure. Well, and it's also really interesting. I was doing a little bit of digging, and I found that this story of John the Baptist baptizing Jesus is in the Bible in four different places. Hmm. And the story varies slightly in the wording through each one, as most of the time those stories do. Um, But every single time, the thing that is the same is the phrase, the son of God. Hmm. Every single time that it's in the Bible, you see where God says, this is my son, hmm. or this is the son of God, or something like that. And it's it's just always really interesting to point out those times where it's the same in each story. Yes.
1: That's the thing God doesn't want us to miss, apparently. Hmm. Yeah, it's important.
2: Each, yeah,
1: <laughs> Because each person that recorded it was led by the Spirit to record that similar detail.
2: Right. Well, and it's also really important for us nowadays because there are people who would say Jesus never said that he was the son of God. True. They
1: will say that. They,
2: right. And so when something as powerful as this is in every, every single retelling of the story, you can't miss it. Yeah. You can't just ignore it because it's there and it's obvious.
0: Yeah. Well, apparently it can because some people did miss it. <laughs> well, <laughs> if <Yeah>. you're
2: looking. <laughs> yeah, if your
1: eyes are even open, you can't miss it. Yeah. And that's maybe that's the big thing that John's doing. I, I think it's pretty clear it is a big thing that John's doing. And it's so cool that it's repeated across each gospel mm-hmm. because it's clearly the main point. Here's who Jesus is. Jesus reveals God to us finally. And... I guess maybe that's something I want to kind of land on here with where we're wrapping up with this part of the scripture in what John did, because as far as I understand it, and there's a lot I don't understand about what the significance of baptism was in that Mm. culture and everything, and that's something for somebody to, to study if they're interested in that. But as far as I can understand his role, both in baptizing people and in baptizing Jesus, it looks like it is for people to see Jesus as who he is, like to to usher them into the new thing God is doing. The new thing God is doing is this one, the chosen one, the Messiah. He's here. And you're going to be part of this new covenant, this new thing that God is doing. It's all being brought in by Jesus. And whether you see Jesus or whether you don't see Jesus is a big part of what's going on in this first chapter of John, I think. Mm. Because as we've already talked about, the Pharisees, the ones who should have seen everything God was doing, <laughs> and yeah, they were they were, like you said, asking kind of the right questions, Mary. Yeah. And they were they were, like you said, Mike, doing the their due diligence to figure things out mm. for the people that they led, but they missed God when he was right there in front of them. <laughs> And John's the one who sees Jesus. And he's baptizing. That's what he says he's baptizing for. That's part of the verse that I just read in 31. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. (laughs) Baptizing people so that they'll be ready to see Jesus, so that they'll be ready to see God's chosen one, his Hmm. salvation for the whole world. So again, I say it to say, I don't exactly know how John's baptism achieved that. I also believe it's something that's part of what happens when we follow through with the ordinance of baptism today to proclaim who Jesus is and that we believe it. But really, I guess the big thought or question I'm left with from chap this part of chapter one is, do we see God when he's in front of us? When God's working, do we recognize it? Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to say, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> but if I'm realistic with myself, I've got to say, I must constantly be going back to God and saying, Lord, don't let me be like a Pharisee.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's seems like it's so easy to be blind to what's God, what God is doing because there are so many natural biases in, in this day and age. Like everywhere you turn, someone is against something. Yeah. And so you can... It's so hard to go forward without any preconceived notions about anything like the Pharisees did with John. If we look at someone and immediately think, oh, like, why are they doing that? Or, oh, my goodness, look at all the tattoos that they have. Like, oh, they must be a terrible person. <laughs> like, how do you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You're not one to – you're here to judge people. We're not here to tell uh-huh. people that they're doing it wrong.
1: Yeah. Do we see it the way God sees it? Hmm. Most of the time, we're probably still really struggling with that. Yeah. But if if we can see the guy wearing the camel hair and eating the bugs and honey for his lunch and be like, see that guy? He gets it. That's somebody who's clean in God's eyes, and he knows, <laughs> he knows God when he sees him. If we can see it like that, see it like John— mm. Then we're going to be on the right path mm-hmm.
0: and look at look at the simple lifestyle that John had versus our busy busyness that we put ourselves through versus the Pharisees who are always doing some sort of ritual mm. thing you were you were asking earlier, do we see God when he's right in front of us and I know that there are many times that I don't, but the times that I think I see him most clearly are the times I'm out going on a walk, enjoying nature, and just start talking to God and think, oh, this thing happened that could have been really bad, but it was really good. Did you have something to do with that, God? <laughs> and, and those are... Those are the times. It's not when I'm busy doing things that I naturally realize, oh, God did this and God did this and God did this. It's the times when I force myself to take time like John probably did. John probably didn't have a Nintendo Switch that he was playing (laughs) during his free time. He was probably talking to God. And the more that you talk to God, the more you'll see him in those big ways, and those small ways that's so easy for us to miss because... We're just going from one thing to the next. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked the idea of John is is clean in God's eyes, but he also has this simple lifestyle that I think is something that we we also can yeah work towards because that's when you're going to see God.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. I think just taking time to slow down, have conversations about what you're reading in the Bible, about what God's mm-hmm. showing you there, about what God's showing you in your own life, doing this together doing it like we're doing it right here right now mm-hmm. I, that's at least part of that simplicity that's at least mm-hmm. part of walking the life and in, in such a way that you're gonna be seeing god helping each other out i'm excited we get to keep doing this with through john in this next round of episodes on if that makes sense and next time we'll probably even finish chapter one whoa, whoa. hey look at that if we can finish <laughs> one chapter in three episodes it's so excited. Thank you for joining us for If That Makes Sense, the Family Life podcast about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. If you enjoy the show, please send it to a friend. Your genuine appreciation of the show is the best way for word to get out. And it would make our day if you left us a rating and a review wherever you found this episode. Family Life has more great original podcasts that you can check out at familylife.org podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you along for the next one.